It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Well, what if I don't deliver? That's why we have Clark Stinks at clark.com slash Clark Stinks, where you can let me know that I messed up in our weekly Clark Stinks segment straight ahead. I love it. And later... I want to address what's going on with car rentals for this summer and my predictions and how I would go about, how I actually am going about trying to protect my wallet during a really uncertain summer for car rentals and the prices of them. And that'll come up later. But without further ado, it's time for... I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. You don't quite stink, but your advice to the person from Oregon asking about earthquake insurance was well past its expiration date, and I did get several from people in Oregon about this. In July of 2015, Catherine Schultz of The New Yorker wrote a Pulitzer Prize-winning article titled The Really Big One. In short, when the fault line known as the Cascadia subduction zone experiences a full rupture, it will destroy everything west of I-5 from Seattle to Northern California with an 8.7 to 9.2 magnitude earthquake along that full distance. It will be the largest natural disaster in the history of the Northern Hemisphere. The last one happened 322 years ago, and the average time between quakes over the past 10,000 years is 243 years. I'm not a betting person, especially against those odds, and I'm very happy with my earthquake coverage. Thanks again for everything you do, Mac in Oregon. Mac, uh, thank you, and thanks to the others who wrote in about this. And if you did not hear that podcast, uh, someone who was a resident of Oregon was asking about uh, an option they were presented by they did not ask for it, but they got a mailer from their homeowner's insurer saying, hey, you know, you should get earthquake insurance. We got it for you. It's this much additional on your plan. And um, I said that I wasn't aware of the risk in Oregon. And now many of you have let us know that Oregon is in a direct line of fire. And by what you read, Krista, from the New Yorker, so is Seattle all the way down into, I guess, the Eureka part of Northern California. A caller asked if he should contribute to an HSA, but pay HSA eligible expenses out of pocket while it grows. You gave good advice, but should have added that he save all of his receipts since H- HSA rules don't make you take the distribution in the year that you incur the expense. If he keeps track of the running total, then he can take a distribution up to that amount at any time in the future. Personally, I scan or take a picture of the receipts, save them in a folder with a standard naming scheme, and enter each transaction in a spreadsheet, and then with a running total at the top. And that's from Jim. Jim. Okay, first of all, I am so impressed with how organized you are. And second, um, I haven't mentioned in a long time what you said, and it's something that when I talk about HSAs and deferring the use of the money, I should mention every time that the claim against money has nothing to do where most things it does matter that you claim within a calendar year or a certain period of time. HSAs, as long as you have the documentation, 
if you don't have medical expenses later in life that you were saving that money for, you just wanted the money to grow for a long time tax-free and be spent tax-free, those old receipts become newfound tax-free money for you. And thank you for pointing out my neglect in mentioning that regularly. I've heard you touting the benefits of Walmart Plus, so I decided to try it out. I was surprised to see a $7 tip added to my bill for the driver on my first delivery that I was not able to change or remove. I have no problem tipping, but I'd like to be in on (laughs) determining the amount. So much for free delivery. By the way, I live about 10 minutes away from the closest Walmart that I'd ordered from. Love your advice and listening to you and Krista every morning as I get ready for my day, Lisa. Good morning, Lisa. Lisa. Lisa, thank you. Okay, so the way I use Walmart Plus is I do uh, curbside pickup at Walmart of groceries. If you look at Walmart, they have a pickup area, and that way they just drop them in your car. And I use Walmart Plus for delivery of stuff. I know that Walmart is really pushing the grocery delivery, and yes, the grocery delivery, the way they do it, uh, they do this automatic tipping with it, and um, that is always a controversial thing when the customer doesn't get to decide what the tip is. I guess they were having a problem uh, keeping delivery people because there were people who weren't tipping right. at all. And do any of the other grocery services require a mandatory tip? Not, I don't know. I don't use many any ordering services, honestly, so uh, I don't know. But we so can find that out. I have not actually had the experience with it, so I, I can't speak to that because we don't do the grocery delivery part. We just do the stuff delivery part from Walmart. Thank you for letting me know about the mandatory tips. Clark hates Zell and Bank of America and Wells Fargo. We get it. <laughs> Actually, you did talk nicely about them earlier this week. We, we hate them too. But why doesn't Clark talk about his girlfriends, USAA or Navy Federal Credit Union? They are using Zelle and have problems, and then they link to a message board about it. You talk about how good your girlfriends are, Clark. Now tell them how they've been doing dirty deeds with Zelle. Jason. Jason, thank you. And there's no excuse for Navy Federal or any other credit union owned by and for its members doing business with that sleazy cell. Um, As for USAA doing it, USAA Federal Savings Bank, no excuse for that either. Uh, You know, you lay down with, with, uh, well, (laughs) I should keep this clean. This is a family show. Anyway, uh, Zell is a fundamentally flawed product because it does not have consumer protections. And when people have their accounts hacked into, they might not even know that the bank or credit union, as a service to them, automatically enrolled them in sleazy, scuzzy Zelle. Now, we get communications from Zelle saying, stop talking all this trash about us. So my thing for you, Zelle, I'll stop talking trash about you if you start doing the right thing. And by the way, I know the Congress is completely broken down. But why the Congress has not passed consumer protections for payment apps, and I throw in in this also Cash App and Venmo, why the Congress hasn't done this shows how out of touch the 100 members of the U.S. Senate and the 435 members of the U.S. House are 
that they just don't care about what happens to regular people. They care about the people who put them on the private jets and give them all that money. But Zell is something you got to know is rotten, terrible, and dangerous, and make sure that your account is not activated to it. As for institutions that I love, like USAA and Navy Federal Credit Union, doing business with this rotten, terrible Zell, they shouldn't be doing it, and shame on them, just like all the other financial institutions that are in partnership with this rotten thing. Okay, Zell, waiting to hear back from you again. A listener asked what they could do to sell tickets on Ticketmaster without providing their social security number. You replied, there's nothing you can do if you want to sell them and you would have to provide the number. I agree. If you want to sell them, you must provide your nine-digit social security number. The system only cares that the field is completed with nine digits. There is no way it can confirm you provided the exact nine in your social security number. Therefore, I would enter nine random digits. Problem solved, Cliff. Cliff, thank you for that. Uh, This has come up with the medical, electronic medical records where they won't let you proceed with a medical form until you put in a social security number. And again, you put in all zeros or you put in uh, two zeros in the middle, the two digits in the middle, and the systems will usually accept it. There is um, no legitimate business purpose ever for any medical provider to ever have your social security number, and they account for half of all identity theft problems in the United States, is for the issue that came up before with Ticketmaster. Cliff, I appreciate your suggestion. And they may be doing it because if you're reselling for a lot more, they may need to issue a tax form. Yeah, exactly. So they have potentially a, a good reason. 1099. There is a legitimate business reason that, Ticketmaster has, I won't say what you call Ticketmaster. We don't need you to get sued. Anyway, um, that Ticketmaster has that medical providers do not have. On a recent podcast, Clark spoke about doing the math when deciding whether or not to join Costco. My wife and I are not huge spenders at Costco and have just the basic membership, but we save more than most executive members. At least once a year, one or more of our credit card companies offers a 5% cashback bonus when making purchases at warehouse or wholesale clubs. These particular credit cards cannot be used in the physical stores, but can be used online where my wife purchases a few thousand dollars worth of Costco shop cards. So except for gasoline, where we use the Costco credit card, we almost exclusively use Costco shop cards, saving us 5% on every purchase. Scott. Scott, you're brilliant. I mean, most people are never going to jump through those hoops, but at Costco.com, you have choice of uh, forms of payment that you don't have in the warehouse club. And, uh, Hope Costco doesn't decide to change that policy now that you've let the cat out of the bag, Scott. (laughs) Clark mentioned that you do not want to end up in a crummy loan from the dealer when buying a new car. However, I recently bought a new RAV4 and the loan was 2.49% APR from the dealer, but over 3% from my credit union. Is there something I'm missing? And both loans were for 60 months, even though Clark recommends 48. 42. Sorry, Clark. I promised to pay it off early, but the rate does not go down if I shorten the term. So I'm sticking to 60. James. James. Okay. So the whole thing with qualifying for a vehicle loan with a credit union is that normally that's going to be the cheapest rate available. Krista and her husband 
bought a vehicle recently and you were offered what interest rate for the 2.78 from the manufacturer and then we got 1.88 1.88 from a credit union. credit union mm-hmm. so your situation was unusual that the dealer was able to offer you a cheaper loan than a credit union the beauty of pre-qualifying at a credit union is you know what the rate is and if the dealer can beat it fine the only issue that could ever come up with a dealer that could be a problem is if there's a prepayment penalty on the loan you get from them there would not be such a thing at a credit union Clark, you don't stink, but you forgot to answer part of a question. Someone asked you about certain finance gurus recommending gold and if they, the gurus, got paid for that. While you gave a great explanation for why or why not one would want to own gold during times of uncertainty, you should have mentioned that, yes, many people giving financial advice on various media platforms are getting paid referral fees or paid directly by the companies they recommend. David. Yeah, and David, thank you for mentioning that. And I should mention as well that if you're a listener to talk radio, your favorite hosts that are all touting gold in uh, what sound like commentaries but are actually commercials, they're all getting referral fees or they're getting straight pay for doing those what they call reads for gold. And so no, those are not objective recommendations at all. That's pay for play, essentially. So... I appreciate all your posts on Clark Stinks. If this reminded you of something you heard me say or forget to say or said what you feel is just like I'm out of my mind, please go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post that for me. And coming up straight ahead, if you're taking a vacation this summer and you're going to involve needing a rental car, we got to talk. So I rent cars quite frequently, and as you know, I'm very price sensitive, and I've been watching what's happened with the roller coaster of car rental prices. In a quick, brief summary of what happened, back in 2020, when travel basically shut down in the United States, car rental companies were in a world of hurt. Hertz filed for bankruptcy. The others... um, were desperate to hold on to any cash, and they sold off their vehicle fleets overwhelmingly. Then the economy started to recover, even as COVID continued. People started traveling again, but in smaller numbers. And then we had the problem with the auto factories repeatedly closed because they were having outbreaks of COVID. Production went way down. People started buying used cars. There weren't enough of them to replace all the production problems. Then you move forward. Then we had the chip shortage that has eased some but still continuing. And so the car rental companies went in, and they're principally responsible for the huge run-up in the price of used vehicles because they had to suddenly rebuild their fleets, and they did it with used vehicles because they couldn't get new. And now... They still don't have the size fleets they had pre-COVID. And people are traveling at higher numbers, according to several airline reports. They're now having more travelers than they had in 2019 pre-COVID here in 22. And so car rental rates declined a lot 
particularly during the Delta Omicron uh, period of time. And I was traveling during both waves. And I was back at car rental prices. They were like, oh, wow, that's over, all those high prices. Well, now people are booking travel like maniacs. The car rental company is still short of product. And rates are actually, in a lot of areas, more expensive than they were before. So there's a tale of two stories here. Places that people gravitate to, because most travel now is overwhelmingly leisure. The business travelers aren't back. So you go to a business-oriented destination, and you need to rent a car. The rates are still okay, and the availability generally still okay. Um, I've had a reason to rent cars in the New York metro area several times over the last three months, and the vehicles have been cheaper by a good amount than being able to rent a vehicle in Florida, Arizona, or Southern California where the demand by leisure travelers has been so strong. So for this spring, summer, and into early fall, finding car rentals available, number one, and finding them at a price that doesn't destroy your budget, number two, these are going to be challenges. So if you haven't heard me explain how you deal with this, I'm going to uh, give you a quick explanation, then talk specifically about uh, much-in-demand areas of the country. So, number one, when you book an airline ticket, you've got 24 hours in which to cancel it and get your money back. Uh, you get your money back, not a credit towards future travel. You get your money back, no fee, okay? Use that 24 hours to see what you can do for a car rental. Try every possible thing to find a deal on the car rental. I use Costco Travel a lot to book car rentals. A lot of people use AAA. A lot of people use a multi-site like Expedia or rentalcars.com. And you're able to shop multiple car rental agencies. Some of the deals are going to be on third-tier companies. Read reviews of them before you book with them because you don't know how it's all going to play out. But you... Know in that 24-hour period that you can find a car rental that is in your budget or that you'll stretch your budget to pay for, and you book it when you book your travel. Then, a week out before your travel, reshop your car rental. I'm finding that it's not 100% of the time, but almost I get a cheaper deal checking when I'm about a week out. The reason is car rental companies are using historical averages and the data is really hard right now because of the disruptions of the last three years. So what they're doing is they're posting the highest imaginable prices ahead of time. And then based on how much actual demand there is, those prices may go down or up close to travel. If they go up, no harm. You already have a booking at a price that you reserved at the time you booked your flight. On the other hand, if prices actually go the other way and you're able to rebook into a lower price, great, no penalty to do that. So you win either way. You also want to check to see renting a car from an individual with Turo or their competitors where it's almost like an Airbnb for car rentals. 
And I have found on several trips recently that it has been cheaper. I was just in Miami, and it was cheaper to get around by far in Uber and Lyft, even at their now higher rates, than it was to rent a car while I was in South Florida. We used Turo when we were in Hawaii, and it saved us a lot of money. What, do you remember what difference there was for you on Kauai? For the week, it was $200 savings for us. And I'm just curious what the relative rates were. What was the Turo well, for the week? It was like uh, the Turo came to, I think, 600 and it was going to be 8 Eight fifty or so with the rental car companies, okay. the cheapest. I want you to imagine what a Chris lot of money. is talking about. <laughs> the car rentals are even. She saved two hundred dollars. Used to be your whole week was less than two hundred dollars. Right. That was the savings, and it was still um, ninety dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Whoa! So that's why you got to be aware that your airline ticket, particularly for domestic travel. For multiple people added together will usually be cheaper at a fun in the sun destination than your actual car rental for that time period, even when you add all the airline tickets together. That's serious stuff, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Tim in Arizona says, I recently did an emergency car rental when a flight was canceled. I signed up for the car rental company's rewards program, at the time putting my credit card on file with the car rental company. Saying the rental company's name makes my head hurts. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) When I got home, I decided to delete my credit card info from my profile with the rental company. Apparently, the only way to remove my credit card info is to completely delete my profile, losing my points. I want to keep my points, which is not a huge amount, but I don't want my credit card on file. What are your thoughts? Okay. So, Tim, what people have done in this case is they take a small value um, stored card, stored, uh, what do you call those? They're not gift cards. Yeah, stored Stored value value, like Visa or MasterCard. MasterCard, And they change their profile to that. There's not much that could happen. But as far as a car rental company having your credit card on file – I've not found that to be a problem or an issue. If anything got compromised, you are protected 100% in that case by your credit card company. And so I would not fret too much. You don't want to lose your Hertz frequent renter points because you can turn those into free days against these very expensive rental rates we're talking about. This is from Linda in New Hampshire. You were talking about purchasing your European travel for summer now. I have two questions. Would you be nervous about the unrest? We were thinking about Norway from Boston. My second question is regarding flexibility. By my research so far with SAS, Iceland Air, and Lufthansa, the affordable tickets are on non-refundable and non-changeable flights. I'm surprised there's not more flexibility concerning COVID. Do you have any suggestions? Can't wait to travel again. So, uh, Linda... What the airlines have been doing is they're equivalent of basic economy and different international airlines call it a different thing. They've gone back to the very rigid policies on those as uh, what they call a sell-up to try to get you into a regular economy. So they can advertise that they've got this really great fare and you click on it and it's a bait and switch. Get there and you realize, oh, no seat assignment. No this, no that, no the other. You can't change for any reason. Your money's gone, blah, blah, blah. Or if you pay them an extra X number of dollars, then you have a ticket that is changeable, fee-free. You don't get a refund of the money. 
but you have use of the money for, depending on the international airline you're booking on, for one to two years. So it is a trade-off that you face now with COVID. And um, you said you haven't found any of the great deals I've talked about. All right, I wanted to tell you how the great deals thing works. These things pop up at random, and there are uh, fair services that alert you. My favorite is Scott's Cheap Flights, which is the most successful of these, and it works on a freemium business model. You get alerts. If you pay the subscription, you get alerts before other people, and you get more alerts, and you'll see deals pop up. And you said you want to go to Norway. I'd like you to think about a trip to Europe a little differently. And that is, hey, I want to go to Europe sometime this summer. This deal just popped up and this one's to Sweden. I'm going to go there or whatever that you let the deal drive your destination. And using Scott's or Dollar Flight Club, one of his competitors, there's another one. And you can... It's a big competitor. I don't remember what that is, but I like going on to Google Flights too. And you can look at your destination to just Europe. You can just put Europe in for... Because I know you said you want to travel in June um, and see what the prices are. Just check it regularly. And the fact that you said June versus saying, I've got to go on... June the 11th and come back exactly on June 19th. Well, they do have I mean, to go. She said the last week of June, first week of July because of work Oh, and you're killing vacation. me. You're killing me here. So then you especially need to be flexible on the destination. Eventually, if you stay flexible, you'll make it everywhere in the world. You'll just make it a lot cheaper. Now, the unrest, the war in Europe, I just did a uh, TV interview about that. And what I said is it really depends on you as a traveler, because even if you bought trip insurance, the war in Europe is not going to cover typically a refund. In fact, the policies generally exclude acts of war. So everything you buy, hotel rooms you book, everything you do along with your air flight, they've got to be, in the case of hotels, book only refundable hotels. That's easier to do. And with the air flight, at least that you have full credit free of any penalty to book travel later if the situation in Europe gets worse, if the war does spread. And lastly, from Lori in Mississippi, I know you have a treadmill desk where you walk miles while you read lots of articles and do research for your show. How do you take notes on what you read? Do you write all of your ideas down on paper or do you use an app or do you use a voice recorder? I'd love to know how you synthesize all the information you read and organize your thoughts and ideas. So Lori, my uh, treadmill desk has gone to the great beyond. We sold it because now I... A habit I picked up back early in the pandemic is I go out on long walks every day, hot, cold, in between, rain, sunshine. I walk and I walk and I walk. And so I do something pretty hazardous. I am reading while I walk outside, but I just love, I've discovered I love being outside because during the lockdown phase, I was walking a minimum of 10 miles every day. And so I've become kind of addicted to it. And what I do is uh, we have an email file for the podcast that I email articles to while I walk. So I don't try to remember specific things. I just email the whole article. But if I was still 
you know, in an office kind of setting, I would still be doing a treadmill desk because I love that. I love staying active, walking. I want to improve my health all the time. And it is something that I guess you'd call a healthy obsession. Absolutely. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode while hopefully you're walking or uh, doing some kind of exercise. And I want to thank the hardworking employees and volunteers in our Team Clark Consumer Action Center where we offer free advice to you one-on-one for the questions you have, the problems you might have with your wallet. It's available to you Monday through Friday, 10 in the morning Eastern to 4 in the afternoon Eastern time. You can either see how to get one-on-one advice at clark.com slash CAC, or you can call in at 636-49-CLARK.